Truth Espresso, episode 261. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso, to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. <laughs> and now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. <sighs> this is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Hello there friends, family, foes, and lurkers alike. This is your host, Daniel Minnick, and I'm going to continue for this Monday episode a series that I was doing that started off as uh, Truth Espresso Express episodes, and this is a series on difficult passages in Scripture. And so, for this episode, we're going to cover the verses that Jesus talks about the unforgivable sin. Because this is one of those things that often trips up Christians and Christian apologists when they try to explain the idea that, wait, there's such a thing as an unforgivable sin? I thought Jesus can forgive all sin, so why does he say that there's such a thing as a sin that's unforgivable? the Apostle John talks about a sin unto death, well, of course there can be sins unto death or are sins that can lead to your death, but what about an unforgivable or unpardonable sin? Is there something could do in your life that results in you being doomed and condemned once you utter this sin? Well, let's take a look at what Jesus referred to as the unforgivable sin and try to make sense of what does it mean that it's unforgivable. So we look in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 32, and it says, And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come, or age, so neither in this age nor the age to come. And we have a parallel passage in Mark chapter 3 verses 28 through 29. So Jesus there says, Verily I say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemies wherewith soever they shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. Although the words recorded about Jesus seem to differ here a little bit, what we can see, observe from harmonizing the two passages, is that Jesus is saying there's all types of sins that can be forgiven. And among those are to speak against Jesus Christ himself. But for someone to blaspheme the Holy Spirit, that is somehow a unique case, an unforgivable sin, and is in danger of eternal damnation. Someone who does this can never be forgiven? So what exactly does Jesus mean here? And how do we see such a thing fulfilled in Scripture? Are there examples of this? Jesus tells us that something can't be forgiven. Do we see any examples of that? How do we make sense of that? Indeed, this is one of those difficult passages of Scripture. 
So some questions that we can raise when we read these two passages. So the first one, is Jesus saying that someone can slip up and say something that incurably dooms him forever? So if you or I were to utter words kind of like an incantation or (laughs) like the way people in occults do, they'll say evil things. If we utter a series of words with our lips that were to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, does that then put a hex on us such that once we've uttered those words, we've uttered words of blasphemy, that therefore we are doomed from that point on and can never be forgiven, can never be saved, can never enter heaven? Well, we'll answer that question. How about this question? Is Jesus saying that the Holy Spirit is greater than he is? such that Jesus is a lesser being, and therefore to blaspheme against him is not as great a sin as to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, because somehow the Holy Spirit is a greater being than he is. But we also see in later in Scripture where Jesus says that the Holy Spirit doesn't even speak of himself, but rather speaks of Christ and exalts Christ. So, it doesn't seem like that's what Jesus is portraying with this admonition here. Third question, is Jesus saying that he's not God? That seems to kind of flow from the second question there. But it's interesting, you know, you look up the word blaspheme throughout the Bible and every single occurrence of it has to do with speaking words against God. So, even though he refers to speaking things against him as blasphemy, how could he then be saying that he's not God here? This is the only case where we see, when we harmonize the Matthew and the Mark passages, that Jesus is referring to himself as someone who speaking against is blasphemy. And everywhere else in Scripture, blasphemy refers to speaking against God. So he doesn't seem to be denying his divinity here. So to answer these questions, we need to look a little bit at the context of Jesus' words here. So what provoked Jesus to give this admonition against blaspheming against the Holy Spirit? Well, Jesus is responding to the accusations of the Pharisees that Jesus cast out demons by the power of Satan. These Pharisees made a bold claim against Jesus, and his answer actually showed how merciful he was toward them. Rather than hold a grudge against them or say, how dare you speak that way about me? Don't you realize to whom you're speaking? Jesus rather directed things as a warning to them about not the fact that they were speaking against him, but what they were saying against the means by which he did miracles. They were claiming that there was an evil spirit in him that was doing the miracles, and Jesus is saying, no, it is the Holy Spirit, and so You better watch it because you might be speaking against the Holy Spirit. 
So Jesus was kind of being humble there. He wasn't uh, making a grudge such that, how dare you speak against me, but it can be forgiven you to speak against me, but don't speak against the Holy Spirit by which I am doing these miracles. We see in Matthew 12, 24, in this context, before Jesus talked about blaspheming, it says, but when the Pharisees heard it, what Jesus said before, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. So therefore, they were clearly blaspheming against the Son of Man, and Jesus declared that he casts out demons by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 28, Jesus says, But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. So Jesus is warning them that they are rejecting the kingdom they seek by rejecting him. It seems he might be saying, You might want to rethink this, guys. But nevertheless, there remains hope for them and for other Jews there who were having problems with Jesus' teachings and words. Even when claiming their Messiah, the Son of God incarnate, was demon-possessed, there was still hope for them if they recognized the error of their ways. But Jesus also was giving them a warning that if they clearly knew that Jesus was doing miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit, but they willfully opposed him and lied about the Spirit within them, basically equating the Holy Spirit with demonic activity on purpose, knowing what they were doing, that they were on a dangerous trajectory. They had better repent of that blatant, willful blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. So, what is the argument, then, that Jesus is making? One can make a false accusation against Jesus as the Son of Man out of ignorance for who he is and be forgiven of that. However, to blaspheme the Holy Spirit, who is also God and the one whose power performs God's acts, would be to reject God presumptuously with undeniable revelation. And Jesus explains the fallacy of their logic, like, your accusation doesn't really make sense because how could Satan cast himself out and that would make his house divided? He also explains that he, Jesus, is the one who binds the strong man and spoils his goods. So how then does one blaspheme or speak a word against the Holy Spirit and does this have effect today? Now, some people will explain that when Jesus refers to the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, that this was kind of a special case at that time, that to blaspheme the Holy Spirit in the way Jesus was referring is something that only the Jews at this time could do during his earthly ministry, and that during this day and age, during the church age, there's no really such thing as blaspheming the Holy Spirit. 
spirit in what Jesus was describing, and therefore the unforgivable sin was what these Jews were doing in their blindness and hardness of heart, that they were heaping condemnation upon themselves, that perhaps their hearts were so hardened by it that there was no escape for them. That might be a possible explanation, but I think it, it kind of goes beyond that. I think that there is an application of blaspheming the Holy Spirit today, but I don't think it's a single utterance. The Christian Podcast Community is a cohesive group of like-minded Christian podcasters proclaiming the truths of Christ, truths of Christ with expertise and passion in the areas of theology, church history, Christian living, evangelism, apologetics, parenting, homeschooling, sermons, and much, much more. So check us out at christianpodcastcommunity.org. One stop for all your favorite Christian podcasts. So, let's give an explanation of what Jesus meant by blaspheming the Son of Man versus blaspheming the Holy Spirit and what each of those would mean as we think about the progression of Scripture and history and the revelation of the gospel. So let's keep in mind the revelation of the gospel and the rules of Jesus on earth during his earthly ministry and the role of the Holy Spirit. So, for this explanation for the unpardonable sin and blaspheming Jesus versus blaspheming the Holy Spirit, let's look at timing. Now, Jesus would only be there on earth in his unglorified and incarnate state, what he said referred to as a little while. It was also prophesied in the law and the prophets that many of his own people would reject him. Jesus warned the people that it's best for them to embrace the light while he was there, lest they stumble in darkness later. So it's better for them to adhere to Jesus' message and recognize him for who he was to avoid problems in the future. So John chapter 12, verses 34 through 36, it says, The people answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. And how sayest thou the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So we could see a little bit from here this statement that they had some ignorance about Jesus. Now verse 35, Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. And of course, he's the light of the world. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. Verse 36, While ye have the light, believe in the light, that ye may be children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. 
So we see timing here reflected in Jesus' statements about blaspheming the Son of Man, and he's only going to be there for a little while. His earthly ministry was a short three and a half years. And now let's move on to prophecy. So part of the explanation to understanding this difficult passage is prophecy. So as I said before, It was prophesied that people would reject him while he was manifested on earth. The Messiah was dwelling among them, preaching, speaking in parables, performing miracles, and yet it was prophesied that his own people would reject their own Messiah. So let's read on in John chapter 12 and look at verses 37 through 41. It says, But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him, that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report? And to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? That's from Isaiah chapter 53. Verse 39, Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah said again, He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of him. So, verses 40 and 41, these are referring to Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah saw the Lord lifted up, and his train filled the temple, and God told Isaiah to go speak, and to reveal prophecies, and it says that their eyes would be blinded, their ears would be deaf, they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart. And so there's the prophecy there that the people would not see and not hear. And so that also shows that there could be forgiveness for blaspheming the Son of Man. This unbelief, this rejection, this hardness and blinding for some during Jesus' earthly ministry could be undone. And Jesus would send the Holy Spirit while he was away in heaven. So now we move on from prophecy to promise about the Holy Spirit. So John 15 verse 26, Jesus is telling his disciples, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. So we wonder, wait, why is it that we need the Holy Spirit to testify of Jesus when Jesus leaves? Why can't Jesus testify everything about himself while he's on earth right there? And Jesus also told his disciples that there would be things that they would learn later. There's so many things to be told that they could not bear them now. But the Holy Spirit would reveal truth to them later. Now, John 16, verses 8 through 11, Jesus further tells his disciples about the Holy Spirit. He says, And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. 
And then verse 13, how be it when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear that shall he speak and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. So things do change, things do progress when Jesus leaves his short little while on earth. The Holy Spirit comes in power. The Holy Spirit reveals more truth because think about it. When Jesus had his disciples with him during his earthly ministry, we see them as very flawed people struggling with faith. And yet when the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, the disciples change quite a bit. They become bolder. They perform miracles and they take over Jesus' ministry, basically empowered by the Holy Spirit, teaching truth boldly, understanding things more. And so the Holy Spirit definitely changed things, progressed things from when Jesus left the earth and sent the Holy Spirit. So now we move on to ministry for our explanation. Now, when Peter received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, he recognized that this was the power of a second chance for those who rejected Jesus while he was on earth. Let's go to Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2. So, in verse 17, Peter says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And then Peter also says in verse 21, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he's quoting from Joel chapter 2 there. And remember that after he gave his sermon, he said that these same people delivered Jesus up by the hands of wicked men. They were responsible for rejecting and killing their own Messiah. And yet, as the Holy Spirit is outpoured there, they're cut to the heart and they say, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter tells them to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So because of the Holy Spirit, there is hope. Now, Peter continued to preach this message after he healed a lame man at Solomon's porch. So we go to Acts chapter 3, the next chapter in Acts, and we see verses 13 through 21. Peter, after performing a miracle, tells the astonished but still unbelieving Jews who had rejected Jesus, The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murder to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, 
I would that through ignorance ye did this, as did also your rulers. But those things which God before hath showed by the mouth of all the prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So we see Peter also mentioning that Jesus is in heaven until he is sent back, until he returns. And now the Holy Spirit has the ministry on earth to reveal the truth about who Jesus is, even to those who rejected him. So we see these people who delivered him up, who had him killed, we can understand this as blaspheming the Son of Man. They rejected him, but they did so basically out of ignorance. But now we have the Holy Spirit given, the Holy Spirit attesting to who Jesus Christ is, and you must accept that. How is your flame of truth, Christian? Is it burning bright? Hi, I'm Rebecca Bershwinger, creator and host of One Little Candle, a weekly podcast dedicated to encouraging, empowering, and equipping believers to be the light that God has called us to be, so that we may pass down undefiled the truth of God's infallible word to the next generation. So join me and light your own little corner of the world. You can listen to One Little Candle on all major podcast platforms or at christianpodcastcommunity.org. Now, what does blaspheming the Holy Spirit look like? Do we have an example of that to answer a question in the New Testament? It might be possible to look at Acts chapter 7 and see an example of that. We see in Acts 7, the deacon Stephen is preaching in the streets, and he says in verse 51, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost, as your fathers did, so do ye. In verse 54, we see the reaction. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. And in verse 57, then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. And remember that they stoned him with impunity. These people seemed like, as Stephen was preaching to them, that they always resist the Holy Spirit. And we see their reaction to him. They continue to resist the Holy Spirit. They were so angry at him. They did not want to hear the truth. They did not want to repent. So this may be an example of what Jesus would refer to as blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Because blaspheming doesn't necessarily have to mean just a verbal utterance that refers to an intentional resistance, attributing evil to what one knows is good. And many of Jesus' own did indeed reject him, but it was the power of the Holy Spirit to regenerate hearts to receive him afterwards. We see in John 1, verses 10 through 13, 
He, Jesus, was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And it's the Holy Spirit's ministry to regenerate the heart. What Jesus said in John chapter 6, that the Father gives a people to the Son, the Son never loses them, and the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So the Holy Spirit is the one who changes hearts such that they do stay with the Son. The Holy Spirit points people to the Son. They are born of God via the Holy Spirit. So the ministry of the Holy Spirit now is to point people to Christ. Christ is reigning from heaven, but when he returns, he will usher in judgment and the eternal kingdom. So the rule and ministry of the Holy Spirit in these last days, as they're called, is the powerful but final hope of salvation. And after listening to all this, you might still be thinking, Daniel, what is the point of all this? Have you really explained what blaspheming the Son of Man is versus blaspheming the Holy Spirit? Well, as we talked about the timing, Jesus' earthly ministry differentiated from when he's in heaven and the ministry today via the Holy Spirit. We see that it was prophesied that a lot of his own people would reject him while he's on earth. But as we see during the ministry of the apostles, that a lot of people who rejected him while he was on earth, they blasphemed him. They were converted by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But we also saw people who always rejected and resisted the Holy Spirit. It seemed that they were blaspheming the Holy Spirit. They were hardened of heart and they never repented. Even as the Holy Spirit brought the truth of Jesus Christ, revealed things that even when Jesus was on earth, There was no reason for people hearing the preaching via the Holy Spirit to be ignorant of Jesus, to be ignorant of his death, burial, and resurrection. We see that Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, says that he was formerly a blasphemer. He would blaspheme the Son of Man. But we see that with the Holy Spirit, who has sealed him to the day of redemption, he was not guilty of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. So, when Jesus talks about the objects of blasphemy and whether they can be forgiven, it seems that we could say it's about the time frame and the role and the manifestation rather than the object. We're not saying that the Holy Spirit is greater than Jesus and therefore commands a greater punishment or the lack of the ability to be forgiven because of who each of them are. That's not what Jesus was referring to. To blaspheme or to speak a word against the Son of Man was to accuse and reject Jesus during the time of his earthly ministry, mostly out of ignorance of who he was at the time. This was forgivable because it wasn't the final time and fullest manifestation of the truth and the gospel. It was prophesied that people would do that, but they would later repent via the Holy Spirit. 
Now, when the Holy Spirit came and spoke of Jesus, many who had rejected, as I said, and were even responsible for delivering Jesus to death, later repented, believed, and received the Holy Spirit. Thus, their blasphemy of the Son of Man was indeed forgiven. However, to blaspheme the Holy Spirit is now to resist the ministry and revelation of Christ by the Holy Spirit, who is here while Christ is gone until the end of the age. No one now has an excuse for blindness or ignorance of the truth that the Holy Spirit reveals. The Holy Spirit reveals who Jesus Christ is such that there is no excuse for ignorance. To resist and to reject the Holy Spirit is to remain in an unforgiven state. And to die in this rejection or to remain in it when Christ returns in judgment is to forego all hope of forgiveness. And there is no further dispensation of the Trinity beyond this age until the eternal age. And so, we can see that to blaspheme the Son of Man was to speak against him during his earthly ministry, during a time of ignorance, but to blaspheme the Holy Spirit, ultimately, whether during Jesus' ministry by hardness, but especially after Jesus ascended to heaven and when the Holy Spirit has arrived, is to remain resistant and defiant and in opposition to the Holy Spirit with all the truth about Jesus revealed and that in blaspheming the Holy Spirit and refusing to repent and losing your last hope and dying or remaining in that state until if Jesus returns soon, that is how you blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And so, we hope that this episode was helpful in understanding what Jesus meant by blaspheming the Son of Man being forgivable, but blaspheming the Holy Spirit not being forgivable. It's not some simple utterance or hex you can put on yourself that even if you repent, somehow the sin is on record and you can't be forgiven and your final destination is set. No, that's not what Jesus was talking about. And I hope that this episode was helpful, and so stay tuned for the next episode of Truth Espresso, and God bless. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning, and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso.